2: Hey, welcome to the 105th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Unlo. Today we've got Kelly Landry on the show. She
1: started as a performer and then quickly segued into writing and then very soon thereafter directing. She's got a ton of great experience kind of hiring directors and also being one herself. She's got a few series under her belt and a new one in the works So uh, she's got a lot of great insight. We answer some listener questions as well. It's another great episode. Yeah,
2: it's really exciting to hear her talk about how she worked with a brand. She did a series for AT&T and Fullscreen, which is a company she worked at, and what she learned from having to become a director very last minute after the original director had to dip out of the job. It, It was a real trial by fire, and she's got a lot of great lessons, and I can't wait for her
1: to impart them on you. But before we do that... Oren, I'm
2: dying to know. What have you been working on lately? Well, I wanted to just touch real quick on three things that have happened over the past week. Ooh, Number three. one is for the first time ever, I worked for Matt. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's We
1: should definitely be talking about that. So Oren did me a solid. Uh, I don't know if listeners have heard or not, but Oren bought a drone. I and, did. Uh, very quickly, you're paying it off. Right. Yeah, I think it's You're probably in the red by now Or in the black, I mean So uh, I needed somebody to come in And just kind of take the drone operating off of our DP's hands And uh, I promised you a real cool, real fun shoot And then um, instead, (laughs) you were drenched in the rain And didn't get to do any of the fun stuff That we were planning on doing
2: for a whole day You were just kind of in the mud Well, let me tell you. So I've done a couple of drone gigs. With drone gigs, the deal usually is like, hey, we want some drone shots of this golf thing or this car establishing shot. Like you're not droning all day usually. So they're like, yeah, we're shooting in Malibu. Come for two hours. Come at noon. Have lunch. Then we'll do some drone shots and we'll get some B-roll and hang out for like one to four hours. And I think most drone operators, that's the deal. And uh, Matt tried to hire me to shoot some stuff at the beach a few Uh weeks ago and that was the deal. It's like we're shooting in Malibu or yeah, wherever get Santa some Monica. cool car
1: shots and, you know, yeah, it was in yeah. Malibu. Yeah. It's like
2: a 45 minute drive for me, maybe an hour. Um, yeah, get a few cool car shots come in the middle of the day and then you you're done a couple hours. Bed. Yeah. And I was like, okay, sure. Now, when Matt just texted me out of the blue like last week, he's like, "Hey, uh, you think you could do some drone operating on Wednesday or whatever?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I think I can make that work. I looked at my schedule and I had an opening. And he did not give me any details, but it that turns out. <laughs> I, I tried to just, I in these circumstances, and this
1: goes for anybody that I have a personal relationship with, as soon as it's like, oh, you have an opening, I don't count that as a firm commitment in the slightest bit. I'm just like, hey, you should talk to the people in charge of negotiating your rates and... All of the liability stuff, all the businessy stuff, go talk to somebody else about it because it would be a weird conflict of interest for me to be negotiating with you in any way, shape, or form. So I'm right, just trying right. to push it all away, basically. So, yeah.
2: So obviously, I don't care to discuss the rate and like negotiate of any yeah, of that yeah. stuff with you. But what I didn't know at the time was that I would have to be at Warner Brothers at 6 a.m. in the morning. Then I would have to pack all my stuff into a van. We'd have to drive for two hours someplace, uh, and then I would be strapped to a tree for the entire day in the rain. And <laughs> guess what rain cover they uh, Matt's production team was going to provide for me? Uh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> They're like, bring an a Matt kept telling me to bring an umbrella, and I said, well, what about my equipment? And you said, hmm. Good point. Bring two umbrellas. Uh, And then we were going to come back maybe at 6 p.m. And hopefully I would manage to get home in time to not have to hire a babysitter. (laughs) Then the day before the shoot comes and I get the call sheet and I have to be at Warner Brothers at 6 a.m. again. But now we're going to be back at 8 p.m. So now I also have to hire a babysitter. (laughs) So it went from like a pretty cool, fun job to... Potentially the worst job ever. I mean, pretty high on the (laughs) list. For those of you that don't know, you cannot fly a drone in the rain. So I was... You were there for no good. I was very excited to shoot these drone shots. but uh, And that was like the saving grace is like, but we are going to get these awesome drone shots. But then it's going to rain. And so we're not going to. That said, I do think we got like a couple... Yeah, we got some cool shots. Getting really cool shots. But it's like you cannot even describe the weather or the conditions like we were on the side of a muddy mountain in the rain like standing for like eight hours just standing in pouring rain and mud you don't know any of these people either like at least I've like gotten to know the crew and stuff I had to sit in the back of like a gator you know like a like a quad vehicle like going like pretty much vertically up a hill while trying to hold an umbrella over my drone which was much more important than me at the time um it was also like 34 degrees you know like yeah yeah, it was really cold it was really cold i mean it was uh it was indescribable how (laughs) what the conditions (laughs) were They, they they were so bad that literally an hour like we got to the top of the mountain and then matt and the producer were like uh we just can't we gotta quit we can't risk our equipment in this weather because there was no rain protection we had trash can't trash bags <laughs> tied around the cameras and stuff and then we decided in the end to just go go for it anyway because yeah. everyone was already up there Th- though though we um by we i mean
1: matt and the producer we, we, um, we called uh, up the chain basically because i was like hey this isn't my call like i'll shoot it but we're gonna ruin these cameras um right
2: and they were like with sony fs7s uh, or 7s. something yeah yeah or, so they're know, yeah. A few tens of thousands of dollars yeah, per yeah. camera, and, and there's three like, cameras. Oh, well, yeah, we'd lose uh, probably $20,000, $30,000. Basically, yes, we called up the chain. We ended up shooting it with GoPros instead. Yeah, and we did. I was with the camera crew with, like, the FS7s, and we did manage to secure a pop-up tent, uh, and we did get a few shots. You know, I was kind of trying to help out the camera team, and we got a few shots. And then and some of the drone shots we got in the morning, I think, are pretty cool before it started raining. And then at the end, I was like, F it i'm just gonna fly this thing even though it's kind of sprinkling still so there's a lot of like raindrops on the drone lens i kept wondering i was like why are you
1: landing this thing a bunch of times like because it was stuff where it was like there were like stunts and you know people were there's a lot of coordination and i was like why are you and i was like oh you have to
2: literally wipe the lens off well the funny thing about shooting in the rain is that it's one of the rare places where literally the physical size of your lens makes a big difference because a raindrop on like a big lens, you know, mm-hmm. like a film, like PL mount, like right. ultra prime is, is kind of noticeable. But when your whole lens on like a drone yeah, is like, like the, the size sense. of a quarter, yeah. like three drops, like that half your image is unusable. I've looked through that footage and like, yeah, one big drop can ruin a shot. Yeah. yeah. So I was trying to wipe it, but even I didn't have one dry inch on me at that point. Yeah. Uh, oh, anyway, funny. So really funny lesson learned is ask the details of the job before you accept it. To be fair though, if it hadn't rained, <laughs> yes, if it hadn't rained, it would it be awesome. Been, it but the been pretty awesome forecast plan. was okay. like a 150% chance of rain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I told you to bring an umbrella. Yes. Oh man.
2: Uh, oh. anyway, so that's the first crazy thing. Yeah. Um, Second thing is I finally released my reel. Sure. I just put it on Vimeo. I was just done working on it. I kept getting notes. And by the way, Matt sent me notes that were... I think you took all of them. Dude, you kept doing this thing. You did, You gave those really annoying notes. I, I sent it to three people, one of them being my wife, yeah. right? And they were all kind of giving me these vague notes, which are like, it seems a little long and... Get rid of the shots that aren't great. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, this is my reel. I, I didn't can barely judge yeah, yeah, this thing yeah, yeah. in the first place. And I just kept bugging Matt over and over. And finally, he's like, fine. Here's a list with time code. And he sent me like 12 notes. And uh, yeah, and I did them all. Yeah. And and I think the reaction to the reel has been pretty positive it's so far. It's been good.
1: I really am curious to see if it gets you some work. Yeah. Because uh, it's very good. And it kind of has inspired me. I was like, oh yeah, there is like a very clear reason why these things exist. And it's just that, you know, it's hard to stand out and you did. So I'm, I'm really optimistic that it will serve you well.
2: Yeah, I hope so. It's well, the weird thing is I wasn't really going to post it yet. Cause I was not done with it yet. Even on my website, it was kind of like in a hidden place, but I mentioned it in uh, to a producer we were talking to, and he posted it on Facebook. And I think off that post, Matt Pollack, our guest, saw it because he knows that producer as well and then he posted it on facebook you at hollywood viral or and then i was like oh man i guess i should post it um the takeaway from that whole experience is that i relied on no one obviously i got notes from you and Mm -hmm. a couple other people but i just had a bunch of footage at home and i was like i'm gonna edit something together yes it's my reel and and all that but when you have a couple days off like you can do something you can do without anyone else. I think it's
1: also worth mentioning that I know it's a bit of a running joke that you're talking about working on your reel these last few episodes, but you did work a long time on it. You had some big revisions between drafts. Like there there was a lot of stuff. You tempt a lot of stuff in some of it worked, some of it didn't. And like, it would have been easy to scrap the idea, right? Because it's a bit of a meta concept of like, it's a, it's a video essay on the nature of director's reels that also serves as your reel, which is a very clever idea. But that first draft wasn't as obviously wasn't as good as the final draft. And like a person who uh, wasn't as disciplined in terms of revising it or didn't send it to their peers or didn't think about it as much or just didn't take the time probably would have scrapped it. I would have scrapped it probably.
2: I mean, I guess my initial idea was like, I'm going to, make a reel and explain why you shouldn't put any of this footage that I'm putting into the reel into a reel. Uh, And so it was like kind of a negative kind of concept. Mm -hmm. And I think the feedback I was getting is like, either you're like over, like you're downplaying everything. You're over explaining thing, or you're just being negative or you're like making fun of your own work. And it's just weird a little bit. It's not landing. Like my original thing was like really disparaging, (laughs) like my feature film work. And now, I mean, I still have a joke about like, that it's a bad idea for me to mention that this movie is like a lifetime movie, but it's like a little cheekier than like negative. Yeah. Um, and I think that it took me actually doing it to do that, to, to figure that out. out. And the other thing is just because we have this podcast, I just happen to have a microphone connected to my computer at all times. So it was really easy for me. Like I would edit it, and then there's a lot of voiceover in it. And then while I was editing it, I would just have a list of like 20 things I need to record. Mm-hmm. And I'd re record them and put them in. And then I'd try it out and I'd just keep, keep iterating. I mean, we all know that iterating work is like a great way to make things better. But when you are kind of doing something by yourself, it's easy to keep iterating and tweaking. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing I want to talk about is I'm pitching on this cool commercial campaign right now. And my production company that I'm with. Wanted me to rehearse the pitch. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we've obviously talked a lot lot about commercials, but right, you, uh, there's a commercial, they're looking for a director, uh, various companies submit their directors. They end up choosing usually around three directors and each one of those directors makes a treatment and then they have to present their treatment to the agency on a phone call, on a conference call. Right. The company I'm with wanted me to rehearse that presentation, which was really interesting. I went into their office. I went into their conference room. I called the conference call phone number from the actual conference call phone that we will use. Mm -hmm. And they were all in somebody else's office playing the side of the agency. And they were like, hold on. You know, they just did all the real things like, sorry, we're waiting for everyone to gather, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's interesting because it would be easy to be like, okay, well we'll skip past all of the stuff because inevitably it takes somebody's running a little bit late and that small talk is part of the interview
2: right yeah and they ask me questions they're like oh we see you put this picture here like why did you choose that like or this picture there's an image in the treatment they're like this kind of looks period is that what you're planning on making this scene kind of feel like old Mm -hmm. style and it was a picture that they had chosen to put in the treatment (laughs) you know uh they were trying to kind of catch me off guard a little bit. We finished the call. They said, thanks so much or whatever. We hung up and I went into the room with them. So yeah. I have like a whole document full of notes of things that they said I could do better on. And I was going to share my three favorite things. Ooh. And they're like huge. Like they're so good that I feel like if they listen to this podcast episode, they would be like a little upset with me that I'm like revealing the, the secrets you heard it here first everybody but that said they're all super obvious okay so number one mm-hmm. i did this thing where you know we're looking all looking at the same pdf document it's like 22 pages or something so i would go through a page and i'd say okay cool uh well if there's no comments i'm gonna move on to the next page and then i talk about it i'm like okay cool. Well. Yeah, so let's go on to the next page. And I was really trying to get through the treatment fast because my biggest fear is that people are going to get bored, right? I don't want to, I don't like an awkward silence. I'm just trying to like fly through the Mm -hmm. treatment so people aren't taking, aren't yawning like Matt is right now. And they're like, don't do that. It gets boring when it's just you monologuing and saying like, okay, anyone have any questions? No, let's move on. Oh, interesting. They are like, number one, engage, engage, engage. Don't go straight into the cover page. Say like, hey, This was really fun. You know, I had a great time working on this. I I hope you guys like it. Like, do you have any questions before we dive into this? Like, start talking. And then after every single page, like, hey, this is what I think about the location. You guys have any thoughts? What do you guys think about Mm -hmm. the presentation? So that's the first thing. Like, engage on every single page. Like, you know, it's not just about me talking at them. It's about me collaborating with them. So number two, I'm showing them this PDF document that they're looking at. But I'm talking to them about the text that I wrote, mm-hmm. about like what my what I wrote about locations, what I wrote about casting, what I wrote about performances. But they're just looking at the image. They're not looking at the text. So number two is basically talk about the image that is that they are looking at. Mm. And say, I chose this image because of this. I love the lighting here. I mm-hmm. love the performance. I love the expression. You're like, hitting all the same actor.
1: points, but you're just
2: focusing it through you're filtering it through the image that they're looking yeah at rather through than the what text. they're paying attention to because otherwise mm-hmm. they just right start daydreaming and number three which is another obvious one but they told me what they liked about what i did and it's whenever i talked about what i wanted to do from a di- directorial mm-hmm. point of view like I really like it when we have like a lot of background people on the edge of the frame because it makes it feel like the environment is bigger and more alive. Or like I really like how this I, I chose this picture of Ellie Kemper because I think mm-hmm. it, if you've ever seen the, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I love the excitement she has from just everyday things. You know, like a cup right. of coffee can make her be the happy because, you know, it's kind of like shelf elf or something yeah. like there's something that just makes her so excited. And, and that's what I wanted to capture here. And they are like more of that and less of like talking about what colors you think, you know, the wardrobe sure. should be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the I don't more know. I thought The third were... tech talk
1: you get into, even though that feels like that's part of the job. I mean, it, it, it all is. But like you can't, unless you're talking to a craftsperson or a technician, people, it gets lost on them a little bit. Yeah.
2: So I guess, I mean, we all know this. So well, but like practice your pitches and be super open to feedback. And yep. I think there are some directors I know that I don't think would have liked the experience that I went through today, which is like, pitch us your project, then we'll tell you everything wrong about your pitch, and a lot of it has to do with the way you are socially interacting with other people. right. Uh, yeah, but most I, of it is that. Yeah, but I love that feedback, and I think it makes me better every time I do something like that. So yeah, anyway, Sorry, that was a very long description of what I've been working on this past week. Uh,
1: That's great, man.
2: Um, How about you? Uh,
1: You know, I have
2: been in
1: one of those just those weeks of just kind of juggling a bunch of different things. I have been finding myself really craving making time to write. I'm in that situation where like all of the stuff that I had spent time developing and incubating, all that stuff is hitting. But I'm not doing that work right now. You know, it's like. I'm negotiating contracts or I'm talking with other writers or, or shooting or whatever it is, you know, like stuff that's a part of my career and work, work, work. Um, but if I, if I don't put in the time to write, then that the work is going to suffer eventually. Like a a year or two from now, I'm not going to have anything to sell to anybody basically. Right. And it's been this strange thing of just this nagging feeling of like wanting to get back to that stuff a little bit more. Um, that I haven't felt in a long time I think because for whatever reason the things that have piled up have all been more on the producer Oriole side the the
2: true creative stuff that I am driven to do um, has fallen by the wayside a little bit okay but in fairness you are in the middle of like a 10 week show or something and you happen to have one week off that's true yeah so there's a lot of like catch up on that stuff as well it's like
1: cram as many meetings as you can in and all of that stuff so but you also have full time work next week it's not that's like true. you're it's that's not true. like this week's about finding new work what I'm saying though is that once this job is over more jobs are going to come through this year Um, it's not like I'm worried about the immediate future I'm saying that the jobs that are paying off now have been in the works for kind of a while, basically. And so if I don't continue to generate, then two years from now, like if I have to plant the seeds early so that two years from now I can harvest those crops. Cool.
2: So before we talk to Kelly Landry, we got a new iTunes review to read out loud. It's a really short one. You guys will love this. It's from billionaire. He or she says... Directing or video related, listen to these two great content every time.
1: Kebab billionaire, if you would like a just shoot it sticker, uh, shoot us an email and uh, we'll um, with your address and stuff, and we'll send you one. Thanks so much for contributing to the show; it really helps us grow. When you get it, go ahead and post your picture of it, and we'll share
2: that as well. It, we'll see if this sticker thing sticks. Let's uh, get into our chat with Kelly Landry.
1: Hello, Kelly.
0: Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here.
2: Yeah, no, we are super excited to have you on. I don't know how long Matt's known you, but I've known you for like, I feel like 10 years. I've known you for like 10 weeks, probably. Probably, yeah. You just did your project
0: recently. We just did a project recently. It, it, It was
1: my first gig of the year, yeah.
2: So you have like an interesting entry point into directing. You have been a performer for a really long time and a writer. Right. Did you write for Ray William Johnson back in the day?
0: Yeah, I wrote over a hundred episodes of Equals Three. His, and, oh, and you hosted oh. Equals Three. And then I I wrote uh another show on his channel called Top Six, which I hosted. Oh, okay. We did like 70 episodes of that. And then I was one of the writers on Boo's Lightyear, his sketch show. okay. So, yes. What happened to that guy? Uh, he's still there. He's still out there. I think he was going on tour doing stand-up. I think he's trying to focus more on kind of traditional stuff a little more and stand-up and maybe some of his own videos, but he's not doing anything under like the Equals 3 umbrella.
2: Okay. For the, our listeners that don't know, this guy was number one on YouTube for quite oh, a yeah. while.
0: And he has like 10 million subscribers. Yeah.
2: And the B- p p era before pewdiepie
0: oh i was like what's baby because uh, pewdiepie
2: is like 80 million i mean he's like
0: before gaming and then gaming just beat out everybody right
2: yeah my experience with you as a director the first time i mean aside from obviously being creatively involved in a bunch of stuff was like about a year ago maybe when you directed the full screen show Right. And you were, so part of your job was to find a director, right, for the show.
0: Yeah. So I I didn't start out as the director for the full screen show. I was doing a series, a branded series with full screen, and I was the showrunner, and I was a co-writer on the series. And um, we hired a director, and events happened, and the director ended up quitting a day and a half before we started shooting.
1: Oh, Yes. Wait, can I
2: just, there's a learning experience from this. Can I rewind just a little bit? Uh Uh-huh. Because they, so Kelly had called me too to be like one of the people that they considered.
0: Yeah, we, we, I wanted to hire (laughs) Oren. If I had hired Oren, I would never have gotten to direct.
2: Unless I would have quit the day before the shoot.
0: Maybe you would have. Um,
2: No, but what's interesting about this is it's like, it's a mistake I've made a few times which is and it's just like a learning lesson is like the first call I had Kelly told me about the project she sent me like a treatment they had like a visual treatment and the first call I had was with her and the like some produ- other producers yeah, creative and
0: directors from full screen
2: and it was the story was really similar to the show that I had done when I was at Disney like a long time ago and so I was like guys this story's like been done before let's do that like i was trying to pitch a totally different story different show yeah yeah i mean the same show just like a different uh element like a different plot device and then i didn't realize kelly told me only after the call that that the show was based on a book that was written by someone that was on the call Mm -hmm. um and it's like just the lesson is, I did that one. I, I should a,
0: have. I probably should have told you that as well. That's well, my bad. But. Well, I'm the
2: idiot that was just like, like, it, it's kind of call, like, meeting 101 is like, don't don't say, say so anything negative about is, the material. Cliche. Right. Well, I also
0: think it's like, know at what point they're at with the material because this has gotten, like, cleared by a client and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to go back and change. So I think people like, and it's also because our team, we haven't, hi, myself included, had not hired a Bunch of directors before I'd mm-hmm. hired a director uh, the previous year as a showrunner on a project, but this was only the second time that I was interviewing directors and the second right. time that my team was interviewing scripted directors. So at that point, it's kind of like when you hear someone that's like just super enthusiastic, it's like, This is great, you kind of want to be like told, Oh, this is great, okay, you think it's great too, great, yeah, we'll perfect. do this great thing, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and just and for the record, the only reason I like wasn't that into it is because I'd done something really mm-hmm. similar. It was like very specific to me. But it's just something that I think is like a good learning lesson for everyone that's ever listening. If you're ever pitching, yeah. trying to get a job against a different director, just don't rip on the material. I did that with the Lifetime movie I did too. I came in and I was like, This script is like horrible <laughs> yeah. to the producers. And then it turned out one of the producers had written probably wrote it, yeah. But
0: also it's like maybe that was a good thing because if you really sure. didn't connect with the material as it was and we weren't going to change it, then it would have been miserable for you. Maybe it wasn't yeah. a project that you wanted that was best for you to do.
1: Or maybe they're aware of the problems, right? Like maybe they know like, oh, this is a an intermediate draft and like we know we need to change things and mm-hmm. they want like someone who can bring a critical eye to make it better basically but they kind of have to set the table for that a little bit as well you know it was a
0: tough call too because we were all on a conference call in different locations right so it was really awkward because we're all trying to like talk but cutting each other off and so I couldn't tell what anybody in the room was thinking because I wasn't with them so I couldn't kind of like help shape it at Mm -hmm. all it was just it was not he was Oren was not set up to do well on that call
2: (laughs) I feel like in my defense (laughs) Like, I think you're that right. That was in your defense. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I didn't really connect with the material that much. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious to know what you guys think, because you've now been pitching on other people's material. You, mm-hmm. I know, Matt, you've done it a bazillion times, but, like, when you are pitching on, like, sometimes we just want a job, you know? Right. Or yeah. we're like, the budget's good, or it's for Netflix, or it's, like, yeah. got a star attached. Like
1: Yeah, you can be legitimately excited about something that doesn't, literally have to do with the material you could be like oh this is a big career step for me right. that's not a good thing to say in the room you know <laughs> no. like
2: this is my first tv show isn't right. isn't like an exciting thing for them to hear right this is i mean you know you do know victory she worked for ostruck
3: oh
0: um i, I did i just met victory i just went in shadowed on set oh cool at i shadowed Jared Seltzer, and he was awesome.
2: Yeah, well, Victory is someone I've known forever. She worked at Disney with me, and she's, like, this producer.
0: Yeah, she was the producer on this project.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, so she would always say this thing. It's, like, so Hollywood. I almost, like, don't want to say it on the podcast because it's, like, embarrassing to say, but it's kind of true, which is she would always say, like, dude, you got to, like, kind of fake it until you make it. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, I yeah, I remember I had no business interviewing for this feature directing job. This was even before I had directed, co-directed Guilty Party. I was like the not. The full screen show. Yeah, the full screen show. Yeah. Oh, I can say, I can say the name, Guilty Party. Right, right. right. Um, Which it used yeah, to be it's called out. something. you credited for it. Wasn't yeah, it I'm it? credited Notes. for it.
2: Yeah. Notes on a scandal or something. What was it called? before? Lost that? Letters. Lost Letters, yes.
0: Uh, but yes, I co-directed Guilty Party. But before that, I went and interviewed uh, to direct the speecher. And I went in and, like, I did way above and beyond. I did like a deck mm-hmm. with like how it would shoot it. And I like used all the terms that I knew about directing. And I went in like a really funky outfit.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, like on purpose? This,
0: yes, with like a really artsy looking outfit. Cause I yeah. thought that maybe You're kind of I could. Like playing a
1: part a little bit. And yeah. it
0: worked to an extent. It, yeah. I got made it to the final round where the lead actress that had done a bunch of stuff. She was the one that was like, oh, I love her. It makes me nervous. She's done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, I feel like half of it was that I just walked in and like had no business being there. So I didn't know how much I had no business being there. Sure. Yeah. And the director that I had hired the last year, I remember like always just looked cool. And I realized it was kind of like a bit, a thing. hmm and so I did the, like, look super cool. And then you can say just really normal things. And they're like, she just seems like she gets wow,
1: it. Wow, really gets it. So I'm curious. I'm sure listeners are wondering, when you say look super cool, paint us a picture.
3: <laughs> right? Like... Okay,
0: so I had these. Um, it's, they sound not cool, but that's it's in the not coolness that mm-hmm. makes them really cool if you can pull it off. It's these kind of like high-waisted baggy boyfriend jeans, these black jeans. Mm-hmm. And then you roll them up at the cuff. Mm-hmm. And then I had these black boots. And then I had it was like a striped Beetlejuice shirt. Mm-hmm. And then like a weird plum hat.
2: Right. So like a French mime. <laughs> yes. Yeah. like but a it sounds little, cool.
1: I that can get kind of you guys like a, a picture. little 90s, I can, a little Normcore sort of. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, can get like,
0: you a picture of this outfit. Yeah. And you can Great. put it on our you website. You can put <laughs> it on your website. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> if anyone out there wants to know how you look cool <laughs> in directing interviews.
2: Well, you know what? Like I get... So frustrated when I'm pitching against European directors because their accent, mm-hmm. they can say, like, and then uh, I thought maybe, hold on, I need to go to the restroom. And then people are like, oh my God. He, he's like, they, so, say? they say nothing. So cool, and right, think, guys? Yeah. Oh my God, this They're
1: is an like, example. Yeah. This, like yeah, yeah. this is great. Um, I feel that way about music video directors. Like, that, yeah. it's like, oh, those guys look real cool. They've got, like, you know, sweatpants, custom converse stuff, you know? Yeah. like they wear sweatpants out like that's cool <laughs> creative never recreation that. sneakers yeah, yeah, yeah. if a
0: director walked in in those and knows, then, like they yeah, do yeah. visual stuff yeah exactly
1: whereas like as a comedy director you look like i always say this you look like you're in line at ucb right yeah. like you're like ah, it's like jeans and like some version of new balance or converse right and like maybe glasses some scruff yeah. and a hoodie and a plaid shirt basically mm-hmm. is what Every listener of ours looks like. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: yeah, right. Sorry,
1: guys. Um, We've been to the live show. I saw. So, so Kelly, you you kind of started as like a writer-performer, right? Yeah,
0: I started. I went to NYU for acting. Great. So I I did the Tisch program, Stella Adler Studio, and I was like, I'm gonna be a very serious actress. Like, I wasn't even into comedy. I was gonna. I was like yeah, doing yeah, sure. Shakespeare. I did like *Angels in America*. Mm-hmm. You know? Shakespeare
2: has written some amazing comedies. Just right, that's, retro- true. Okay. that's true. That's true. Yeah. Are they that funny though, you right. guys? Um,
1: and then I moved out oh,
0: here oh. and got into writing stand-up because I was like, you know, I realized like audition, waiting around in auditions mm-hmm. for like *Entourage* to say like, "Hey Vince, they'll see you now," and yeah, like yeah. *Secretary*. You know, yeah. I it was six hundred girls, literally. I'd be in those auditions with one line in six hundred girls, and I was like, "This is stupid." so i started doing stand-up and then i kind of fell into the digital space Mm -hmm. my first kind of uh you know directing gig was i was a it started out i was a vampire in fred figglehorn's my babysitter's a vampire music video
1: and fred (laughs) figglehorn as in like fred like
0: the YouTube, the
2: nickelodeon
1: so so Mm -hmm. yeah p uh that would be uh, before Ray William Johnson. Basically. Right, it was he Lucas Cruickshank. Was, was, yeah, no, he but was the number Ray, one Once Upon a Time.
0: Ray, I think, was, mm-hmm. they were around the same time. Ray was big then, too.
1: Sure, sure. But Fred was, there was a period of time where Fred was the, he number, was like, one, the number one the spot right on Yeah,
0: Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and had this Nickelodeon. It was when I was thing. his
0: vampire. So this That's video true. got 19 million views. Like, Immediately, so I <laughs> and also,
1: just to paint a picture because maybe not everybody remembers internet history super well. Like this is a like a teenager who has like sped up his voice, mm-hmm.
0: sped it up thirty percent,
1: sped up. So he's like,
0: Hi, "I'm friend yeah.
1: and then would kind of like run around screaming and then do like a sketch, basically where he was kind of like a, Rebels. it was kind of like not Pee-wee Hermany, but like like a. It was for kids. Yeah, yeah but it was yeah.
0: funny because it was for kids but he got away with doing some like really dirtier, weird yeah. stuff. Yeah, He'd yeah. Pretend he was like a five-year-old but like his dad was like cheating on his mom and left right. and then they left him alone and like crazy yeah, shit yeah. would happen. Um Yeah, so I was a vampire's video. gotten 19 million views and I was like, I should do a spin-off series.
2: Mm-hmm. And by the way, 19 million views then then is like the most 100 video million views ever. Views now. Yeah. That you were in G- Gangnam Style basically.
1: Right, this was yeah. like
0: in 2010. Yeah. 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 And so... I then was like, I have to do a spinoff because everyone was like, who's the vampire? Who's the vampire? I was like, this is my moment. Mm-hmm. So I did a video about how I was the vampire in Fred's video and I got a bad rap.
1: With Lucas's permission or no?
0: No, I just did it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was sure. like, he'll be cool. Yeah, like, yeah. And so, and I posted it and it was like, I'm, I'm not a vampire, but everything in the video was like showing that I was a vampire. Mm-hmm, so right. kids freak can, like, out. Like walk
2: by mirrors. And, yeah, like, exactly. And,
0: reflection. Um, and I got uh, like a million views. And so I started doing more. And so then the collective, who was mm-hmm. Fred's, you know, agency at the time, they called me up and this guy George over there, he's a buddy of mine. And they were like, oh, hey, we see that you're doing your own videos, which are really funny. Do you want to come write and shoot sketches for Fred on set of his new movie, I Night see. of the Living Fred, to use to promote his stuff? Because they call me they're like, oh, your videos, is like, you know how to use Final Cut and you have cameras and lights mm-hmm. and stuff, right? And I was like... Like 23. I was like, yes. I I shot it on a yes. f- <laughs> flip cam. Remember yeah, flip cams? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I shot this on a flip cam. Oh, man.
1: I forgot about flip cams. Yeah. Their claim to fame was that they had a USB port, so you could yeah. plug it directly into your computer. Yes. For iMovie. Yes, yeah.
0: and use iMovie. And so they were like, you have Final Cut and lights and a camera. and know how to... And I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. And so I like immediately called my dad. I was like, I need to borrow like $1,000. And I went and like... Asked friends how to teach me, you know, Final Cut. Went to set and was shooting sketches with him on his movie with like John Cena and Ariel Winter. It was kind of crazy. And then they ended up on a special on Nickelodeon, which was cool.
1: That's so cool.
2: (laughs) Okay, so you kind of, you get the the bug a little bit. Just just like a one quick aside, because I've seen this happen a few times. Like if you get a job doing behind the scenes, which is not that hard to do in Hollywood. Um, it's got its own well, niche and yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, doing behind are, the scenes on a huge Hollywood film is different. Well, than, it was sketches. Is, it was yeah. we scripted them,
0: so it was like I would script a sketch, have to get it approved, and then grab the actors like in between stuff. Yeah, right.
2: but but it's like a place where it's it's a little easier to get into, and you can really I've seen a few people like launch a career off of behind the scenes film Like, do you know Wendy McComb Yeah, she used to do yeah. all our behind the scenes stuff at Disney and her videos were so weird and bonkers they were better than our main videos yeah like the behind the scenes videos and it's like any opportunity you get to kind of tell a funny story or be
1: crazy
3: yeah. or weird
0: like it, it's like because be- you have so much more freedom these
1: yeah. are these aren't behind the scenes videos these are literally
2: sketches that you just have to shoot in between
0: yes. production time
1: but were- are
2: you but are you setting them on a on a like behind the scenes of a movie
0: yeah like the one with john cena was like john cena's shooting a movie uh with fred and he's and so i would go up to him and he was like trying to talk it was like him Mm -hmm. caught in a private moment trying to talk like fred Mm -hmm. and so it was him like trying to do that and then fred came up so it was a it wasn't interviewing them as people at all it was like i wasn't there i was just Mm -hmm. shooting i was holding the camera you know directing all this stuff and so, yeah, it was they were on the set of their movie, but the sketches were sketches. They weren't acknowledging the camera or anything right, like that. Right, right. Yeah, no,
1: whereas, okay, like, cool. I did a similar thing. The Key and Peele stuff I did was, like, Mike and Van Davion, these extra characters that would had reviewed the show previously, they would basically, it was as though they were PAs on set as we were shooting Key and Peele. So, like one of them would be behind the camera, like Mike or Vandavia would be wh- behind the camera, and then either Key or Peel would be in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So one would be improvising as a different character, and then one would be playing themselves, basically. So oh, it was cool. like a, a similar sort of thing of like, oh, it's like <clears throat> it's promoting the show or right. the movie or something like
2: that, but uh, still separate.
0: Right, it's like promotional sketches right. that stood along. Right, right, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess the takeaway is that even a behind-the-scenes job, you can turn into something awesome and right.
0: Well, my takeaway was just say yes. Like, go where the energy... If they think that you can do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like, if they were tricked into thinking that I knew how to do all that stuff, I was like, I should probably be able to do all that stuff. Right. Right. Um, Which is funny because then, like, you know, I did the writing and performing for Ray and kind of got my own YouTube following and social media following there. And... Literally, I was kind of wondering like what the next thing was. And I remember there was a kid, a PA on mm-hmm. set of the Nickelodeon stuff, uh, Carter Hansen, And he worked at Varsity Pictures. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't talked to him in five years to do this stuff. But I remember he was always cool and we were friends on Facebook and would like like each other's stuff once in a while. And so then I was like making a list of, because my strategy, my I go to this like meditation guru. And I was like, I don't know where my next <laughs> job's coming from. This is life advice, people. So... So he was like, make a list of 15 people and that you could like, maybe you would work with or you'd want to work with or whatever. And he's like, it doesn't have to be people that you've, you know, talked to recently. Just make, make a list and you don't have to just, and I was like, I don't want to contact people like being like, what's up? And he's like, just make the list. And I was like, okay, I made the list. And I was like, oh, Carter. And I wrote Carter's name. I'll show you the emails. Hadn't talked to Carter in five years. The next morning he emailed me and was like hey, I'm doing this thing at full screen with uh, Grace Helbig and we're looking for a showrunner. And I was like, OK. And so that's how I got into full screen show running a project and then kind of, you know, got into directing through that.
2: OK, so you get. So let's kind of fast forward back to the to guilty party. So your director quits the day before the shoot. <laughs> like how long from the director quitting to yeah. you deciding you're going to direct it?
0: I had kind of talked over things and weighed options with a few people Mm -hmm. Um, but because it's like a mystery and there were all these little parts of the story that we had to get out I just felt like I knew the story I knew what I wanted from the actors since I had acted so much myself Mm -hmm. I kind of knew how to get performances out of actors Um, and I was like I'm just going to do it screw it
2: it was kind of an involved project that would be very difficult to get someone up to speed on in one day Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and
0: yeah. and I also feel like it was a it was a type of project that I probably I would never have gotten the okay to, to direct to direct uh-huh. starting sure? out. Sure. It's like it was a good a, budget, right? It was a good budget. Yeah, it was a like a seven so awesome. figure.
2: Are you, are you not allowed to say it? Like um, a, a real budget, though, we can
1: say. No, like, it was a know. real,
0: it was a real, I mean, the thing is budgets on these because you're paying influencers, mm-hmm. like to be kind of brand ambassadors for a whole year, it's not, the budget's not reflective of what goes into production sure. uh, because the talent for them is such like a crazy fee for all these posts and all the yeah. stuff.
1: Above the line versus below the line. Yeah. Is kind of so it was
0: plan. like, I think for, it was like a, about a $2 million budget, but we use probably right. like a million of that for production. Yeah.
3: But yeah, so like that's kind of for a lot real. For...
1: Listeners at home are like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah so yeah.
0: I went from directing <laughs> Fred Fagelhorn videos.
1: <laughs> With a flip cam. With a flip
0: cam. Uh, no, I directed a live show for them before this. So they knew sure. that I could like lead people and had the skills and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: and you're building uh, the arsenal of skills that you need to do be able to take this on and nail it in different ways, basically. Yeah, well,
0: and as a showrunner for two years at that point, I'd been a showrunner. I had worked with directors, helped directors make sure they're getting the beats, you know, make sure all the technical stuff, and then had sat in the edit bay for like 100 hours per project. So it's kind of like I knew exactly what I should be getting. Oh, wait,
2: before, I really want to get into you directing, but (laughs) before that, I think something that would be helpful or useful for our listeners is like, How did you choose that director and like what like what are things that obviously I came on the call my very first call and said like I wanted to change the material. That's like a bad thing. What are some things that various directors interviewed the other directors. Yeah, Yeah. Why like what made you choose a certain director.
0: Her pitch was good. Um. She kind of hit a really interesting thing with all the details and she loved talking about like all these little details of the visual things. And I think it just... Can you you give us
2: an example? Well, a lot of it
0: depends on timing. We had seen, we had interviewed directors that did the broad thing. And by the time we'd gone to her, we had seen enough of the broad stuff. we had seen enough of directors Mm -hmm. that just talked technical stuff. So when she came in with something like, kind of brushed over all the stuff we had heard and was like, oh, but I'm really particular about the details, like... She worked water into, she was like, I think we should use water a lot in these scenes and we can do the, we can weave water through this and the color of the school uniforms. I really think we should use this palette because it just, and Mm -hmm. she just had a a cool vision.
2: And when you say that other directors came with a really broad pitch, do you mean they were going for broad comedy? Like this is going to look like a big comedy or do you mean they had like kind of vague Descriptions like, oh well, no,
0: I- they came in with cool pictures, like pitches. Like, they're like, oh, I think this is going to be really visual. We're going to start with an epic wide, and then we can do one shot that we can do special effects on to make it look way cooler than it is. But she tied her visual stuff into character development and was mm-hmm. like, I really like the details of this room, and I'm, I was thinking that this girl would have this. And so she kind of tied visual details into story in a mm-hmm. way that worked.
2: Some people you don't want to ever think about the budget when you're pitching, right? Right, you're like, yeah, we're going to put a bunch of extras here and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I have a problem. I think it's a bad thing, that I'm something I'm trying to work on. But I'll be like, well, if we can afford to do this, we do this. Mm-hmm. if we can't, we can probably pull it off without yeah. that. Like I'll be, I, even just on this pitch, I just did. I was like, I would love to get two different houses for this. But, you know, we can make it work in one house as well.
0: So you <laughs> know what I would say sitting in a bunch of those meetings? I would say we had always asked that if we were thinking about it. If some director was like, oh, my God, we want to do this crazy thing. And some producers was like, well, how would you... Uh, how would you modify that for a lower budget? Uh-huh, and right. so I would say don't give them that unless, I mean, at least in the room that I was in, because they'll ask.
2: Right. Yeah. But there is something where... You're
0: aware at least. <laughs> yeah.
2: You don't want to pitch and then people will be like, oh, that person has great ideas, but they're talking about a different type of project than what we're making. You know?
0: Right. When it's to, I guess if like if we had sent the budget like hey this is around the ballpark mm-hmm. and people came in with insane ideas would be like we don't they obviously don't know what they're doing yeah
1: sometimes i'll just ask like yeah. i don't want real numbers but i want to know like what am i working with what's what what should i be building and in, in for this pitch
3: basically yeah. yeah
0: well and the other thing i realized in this process is everywhere's different like i think digital's kind of the wild west it's not a traditional environment so in some instances like this director or any director that came in, might have been set up to fail a little bit in that we had been pitching this idea through to a client. And Mm -hmm. in that you have to have visuals and you have to have different things. So it's like by the time a director comes in, everyone, the creative team, the VPs, everyone involved has such a vision for this show that it's not really truly a director's sure. vision.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, sometimes it, it, sometimes it's a little more TV style where it's really like, you know, the showrunner is really kind of setting that tone and sometimes it's a little more film style where the director gets to come in and own it. Um, right and it, and you don't know if, especially if it's your first job with a company you don't know what style it's going to be well you know?
0: yeah well we block shot we shot it like an indie feature sure yeah. so it was kind of so it is confusing because it's like oh it, it feels like an indie feature yeah, it like, feels like an indie film like the director should right. be running it but right. it really was more like the showrunner and the you know right. execs there yeah the in-house design teams had sure. done a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and had been with the project for so long too.
0: Yeah. It had taken like four months to pitch it through.
1: I, um, I We were talking before off mic about how there have been instances where I've been up for jobs where it's like it feels like the best thing I can say in the broadest terms is like, hey, I'm dependable. I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Like I've done this many times before. I am the safe bet. And how uh, I'm up against, you know, people, people that are like, we're going to do this amazing yeah. thing. And, and, this and this is like, yeah. okay, well, if you've only made a short that did great at an awesome festival, but like, you don't really know how to block shoot an entire series of TV, right. um, I know who the practical choice is, but I also know that that's not a sexy pitch.
0: Right. Well, when the director quit in our thing and I was like, I'm going to direct, I was also had the awareness that I've. Didn't necessarily have the abilities to showrun run and direct this thing yeah. by myself with no prior, you know, this type of budget directing experience. So I, we called up the guy that n- came into interview yeah. that like n- knew exactly what he's doing, seemed chill, seemed cool.
2: Oh, so your co-director was someone that was considered for the job ahead of time.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, he was he was friends with the line producer, too. Mm-hmm. So when the director, you know, me and the line producer would kind of talked and he was like, what about it was Ben, Ben Plummer he approached this in the smart way cuz he's done mm-hmm. a bunch of tv and he right. knew he's done digital and so yeah. he really knew what it did take and i think our team had like a like a kind of i don't know they were like, looking for some cool sexy vibe but yeah, it wasn't want, realistic like, yeah, like yeah, they
2: totally. wanted it elevated mm-hmm. yeah but I mean, he was like well this is what we get. We can do. To me, it's not even the budget. You just look at the schedule. Like, hey, we have to shoot. Yeah, you just all this. Stuff you don't want to be the voice days. of reality. It's like,
1: all right, well, you're shooting 12 pages a day, so it's gonna be basic coverage, guys. Like, yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, we're
0: shooting a ton with influencers that yeah. don't have a ton of acting experience, so you don't know how they're gonna be. But that's the thing. I think it's like you live in. Like, I learned a lot through that experience. I think yeah. the whole team. But the thing is, is I really pushed for this director too, so I kind of had to be like go and apologize to people and be like, I I messed up. Here's the plan. We're going to remember that guy who just sure. seemed like he had everything under control. We're going to get him. Sure. And he's going to make sure that this is going well. And I'm going to do story. And and so what was fun. his?
2: So that you go, go, go to this guy, Ben, and you're <gasps> like, hey, we didn't choose you to direct this. And we're still not going to let you direct it by yourself. But we would like to have you come co-direct it. Uh-huh. And it shoots tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And he was like, I just, I was booked for, and he literally had had a a project canceled two days before. Oh, wow. So that was the only reason he was available. Sure. He's like, well,
1: I've got to make rent.
0: And he was just a cool guy. He's just a chill, cool guy. Yeah. Like, I would co direct with him again.
1: Did you guys, credits wise, did you trade
0: episodes
2: or did you just co direct?
0: We just co direct.
2: How did you guys? approach co-directing what does that mean for your relationship with ben
0: well it was interesting because i had a lot of thoughts on beats in story and he had a lot of thoughts on how we're setting up the shots and when to use like okay we don't have time for it we're just doing coverage and when we have time to get a fancy shot or we need Mm -hmm. a cool transition shot, or stuff like that and that was experience that i didn't necessarily have i'm sure you know i could ask people and figure it out but it was so great to just have him sort of know and Sure.
1: And it, 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 that's kind of the stuff that you learn along the way. You learn it in edit when you're like, oh, boy, I mm-hmm. wish I had this or that or, oh, we don't need this. Yeah. You know, and you would he, have gotten there eventually. Uh, yeah, right? I would
0: have gotten there, but he saved us a lot of time by right. just knowing. And and he had the confidence to be like, no, we don't need this. And I would be like, I, I believe you. Yeah. And when in my mind, if I was just me, I would have been like, maybe yeah. we do. I don't know. Let's do them. we should get it just in case yeah, and like yeah. wasting time. And we right. did not have that luxury.
2: Did you have time to go over the entire script with him, like kind of beat by beat, or figure Not out what really. to focus on? we
0: didn't have time to do a shot list together, really. We just did like a quick, you know, wide meaning like whatever, sure. like, like chicken scratch on the script page. Um, we didn't have a lot of time. No, we just would powwow before each day. But for it was, I feel like we really lucked out because we worked well together in the sense that like, he, you know, kind of let me get in there with the actors a lot, but then I could sense and there were certain times when I just could feel that he felt like he really knew the way it needed to be. And I would just kind of right. step back and be like, OK, you take you take the scene because it was like he did. We both had an idea, but I think at certain times you have to just trust that the other person knows. And you're yeah. like, OK, like if we both try to get our idea, it's not going to work. But if I let you just do yours, it will work at least. It, that's so
1: fascinating because it feels like this is like a, a shotgun wedding, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds like it worked out really well. Can yeah. you give us an example of maybe a time where uh, it was a little harder?
0: When we were getting really down to the, we were under some really tight pressure stuff, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, it was like I would be like, I think we just need the the speed. Like mm-hmm. I was really trying to really get a really specific moment, and I think there are times you'd be like, we're, j- we're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Like we're not going to get it from exact. We'll cut right. to a wide. We'll cut to something else. We're not going to get it. And I think that was. It took me a little bit of time to realize like, oh, yeah, we wouldn't have gone. We would have wasted a lot of time. Sure. But in the moment, you're kind of pissed, feeling like you missed something. Right.
1: Yeah. You're like, oh, this is the thing that would have made the scene. And He's and then like, you, cut your losses.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then in the edit bay, I was like, oh, he was a thousand percent right. But we really didn't butt heads that much, surprisingly.
2: Well, there is this kind of issue with co-directing. Like the advantage, obviously, is that you can split the work, right? You worry about the cameras that the art direction. And I'm going to talk to the actors and then we're going to do this and Hopefully, you're on the same page beforehand about all those things. But where it slows things down is when you're like, well, let's do a, a take for him and let's do a take mm-hmm. for me, you know? Right. We we
0: couldn't do that. And I think in the beginning, I really just let him kind of just watched for a bit to see his style and see his stuff because it's like I was there to be like, oh, if I feel like we are not getting a specific story beat, that's a because he barely knew the story. He had gotten the script the <laughs> right. night before. Yeah, yeah. And it's like all these tris- twists and turns. And some of the story was released on social
3: Mm-hmm. So in the
0: beginning, really the only time that I was like, oh, no, hey, we need this. We need to get this is when it was a a really yeah. not obvious story. Beat. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like this pe- person needs to look guilty in this moment. Exactly. They yeah, glance yeah. over and yeah, I'd yeah. be
0: like, oh, no, we need a glance. And I'd yeah, be like, what yeah. glance? I was like, oh, in page 17 at the bottom, of, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. But you're also still a showrunner, right? Yes. So you're also like his boss in a way.
0: Right. I was the showrunner. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I but guess I was site. his boss. Yeah. But he was... He was really. I think he was really good. I w- there was nothing that I was like holding back mm-hmm. on right. wanting to tell him. We were also under enormous pressure for other reasons. Like we, they tried to flip the show. Crew walked Ugh. off. Like it was a crazy mess. Yeah. Flip, we don't need to... a flip. Is rough. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. So <Also, laughs> we'll leave it at
2: that. <laughs> so if you had to do it all over again, I'm, I mean, obviously, maybe the you would have more lead time for the shoot. But other than that. What are some things that you learned from that shoot that you would want to do differently, or that you're doing, you're going to do differently on your next shoot?
0: Um, a lot of it was with the writing. I think um, I'm writing this series now, and I realized, oh gosh, don't I wrote so many scenes for the last show that are like four people standing around talking, mm-hmm. or like there's six characters in a scene for no reason. And with him, I was like, oh, coverage. Why would I, you realize from a director's standpoint, like, that's the worst. Why would you, why are they doing nothing and why are six of them here? Right. What's happening? That's just bad writing anyways, I think. But when it's like a really shortened episode in like teen drama and you need to get everybody in certain episodes. Right.
1: There's also, there's a difference between like writing a scene and it's mostly about two people and then literally being on set and looking at three actors who have nothing to do in a scene.
2: Right. And it's your problem. Okay, so kind of a big lesson is the writing, less characters per scene.
0: Yeah, less characters per scene. And always ask for two cameras if they give me the option.
2: Sure. Did you only have one camera?
0: (laughs) We had one camera and I was trying to cut. And originally we were like, no, with two cameras it's going to be – sometimes it ends up taking more time because you're worried about two crews and you're not getting the right stuff and you're kind of splitting your resources. Um, But we ended up having to call on another one for – big extra scenes and just Mm -hmm. getting like inserts and then we had a jib for stuff and needed a second camera. Um, But yeah, I would just say always take a second camera.
2: Yeah. Yeah. To me, the only time that you don't get a second camera is if you can't afford it, you know, because you're doing like a super bare bones project or if every shot, if or if most shots include the characters looking into camera. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But other than that, just always like try to have a second camera. Yeah. Like it always just goes faster yeah sometimes
1: early on I'll say like hey when we talk about two cameras I really mean like a camera and a half which is another way of saying like I'm not going to use that second camera all the time Right. and like the thing where it bums me out the most is when you're in like cross coverage like those cameras are always dueling to get basically both eyes on both actors that's impossible like you always end up in someone else's shot so I'll shoot stacked all the time and then a producer will be like, we've got two cameras. Why are you shooting one
2: side at a time? Um,
1: you're like,
0: well, lighting uh, and yeah, all that. Well, that so very good
1: reasons. Trust me, I'm doing
0: yeah. it for By reasons. By stacked,
2: do you mean like a wide, a wider over and a closer
1: crack. Correct. Yeah, disable? yeah. Yeah, when I say stacked, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like a, a wide and a tight, basically, simultaneously. And then your sound guy hates you, basically, is what mm-hmm. happens then. Right. Because there's no place for them. Both. Sorry, guys. Anyway, a so, camera and a half. So basically, as long as a producer isn't going to be like barking at you right you can like you get to have your cake and eat it
0: too basically right well if you're ever the showrunner and director always get two cameras there you go i wasted that i'm not showrunning running this next series <laughs> oh and interesting. so and that's weird too i'm gonna have a boss on this
2: oh fascinating so you're gonna have
1: a
0: boss a, a bo- i'm not showrunning running this new series oh
2: so tell us about the new series how did you so obviously it's the same company that, hi- that yeah. you did the last show, so mm-hmm. they were they were clearly happy with
3: you.
0: Yeah, well, and they I, we can say it because guilty party. It's AT T Hello Lab and Full Screen. If anyone wanted to look it up, it's out there. Um, but yeah, so it's AT and Full Screen again, and I was developing uh, a few. I was going to develop a few shows with Full Screen to pitch to AT T to be their new comedy series, mm-hmm. and they chose one. So. That, um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And wow. I wasn't sure I was, you know, gonna be able to direct, but they, you know, greenlit me to direct. And
2: So were you pitching yourself as a director or did they say, hey, do you want to direct this one again? No,
0: I you? told them, I was like, I want to direct. I want to do this. Cool. And why
2: I, do you want to direct?
0: Well, comedy is my thing. Comedy is what, what I started and what I know, um, what I've always done. So it was, it felt weird for me to be like, I'm going to direct this drama. But then when I did that and realized I really loved it, I was like, oh, but now I know comedy. Like, I feel like I have more authority in comedy than in drama. It's a homecoming a little bit. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I know what this should be. And I think in drama, a lot of times you need a more cinematic shot or really cool mm -hmm. ideas. And that's where I was like, I I never studied film. I don't know all that stuff. I don't know a lot of the technical stuff. But with comedy, like, I feel like I know Mm -hmm. how to do that. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, definitely. Let me ask then, from a show running perspective... So that they they have a different showrunner. Did you mm-hmm. want to do that as well, or you had to choose between the two?
0: Um, yeah, I had to choose. Yeah. Um, but also, I think I love directing. Well, and I'm writing as well, so it was like they're sure. like, you can't direct, write, and showrun this. Let's be honest. And I was like, why not? <laughs> but <laughs> yes. no, well, but did I didn't last time. I wanted to bring you know you need more people involved in the story, and I wanted to be able to focus on. Directing and writing. It was the, someone I've worked with before. So it's this girl, Megan, um, who I've worked with a lot, even back in the Equals Three day with Ray. Got it. And yeah, so, cool. yeah. And it's funny, Kaja Martin is a writer on this, and she was with Equals Three with Ray too. Oh, so we cool. kind of slowly.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great.
0: Yeah, yeah, working with people. And then um, I hired another writer, Akila Green, who is I met in the CBS Diversity Showcase. So. It's all cool. friends. Work and hire your friends, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the the goal. That's the plan, right? <laughs> yeah. So it paid off to be friends with you, apparently.
0: Well, Kaja hired me first on oh. Equals 3, and then Akilah got me a part on Chelsea Handler. So it's oh, kind of like cool. we're all just helping, just keep helping each other out.
2: Are you going to like shot list this one? Like what, what
3: are you oh, going to do yeah. differently?
0: I'll probably call you and be like, Ornn, will you look at my shot list? Oh, cool. <laughs> um, no yeah I'm gonna for sure shot I'm gonna have time to shot list this um I think it's
1: okay we've talked about this a little bit on the show it's okay to not shot list too
0: I think it's okay to not shot list if you're so confident that you know exactly what shots you need and I Mm -hmm. feel like on my first solo thing where a a lot of money and a brand is involved like I will definitely it's also Mm -hmm. in my contract that I have to shot list so
1: interesting they contracted that you shot Mm
0: -hmm. list. well (laughs) because it's funny I contracted that for the previous directors (laughs) so i was like oh
1: (laughs) yeah nobody looks at these anyway well
0: and because and it's when you have a low budget and or not like low but when you have a smaller budget and you have to shoot a ton and not a lot of time it just helps the ad it helps the director have everything they need on set when they need it it just helps because to give the ad an idea of and the producers an idea of what's coming and so we can figure out budget wise and stuff like that
2: For sure. I always shot list and Matt's always trying to convince people they don't have to shot list so that he doesn't have to shot list. Well, I don't all the time, but you know what I will do is
1: because, you know, you don't want to just be like, okay, well... Uh, wide, wide, medium, medium, did two shots in a close That's but, the
2: shot list that challenges you To not shoot everything wide, medium,
0: Because if you look at it, yeah, wide, well, medium, mean, you're, yeah, like, you're like, oh, shit, like everything the same uh,
1: You know what it'll do is all Basically shot list transitions And any sort of specialty shots So it's like, mm-hmm. it's still like Hey, AD, you know Look at the page count, look at the Number of characters, you have a good idea Of how long it's going to take, like that's really what they're doing Anyway um, And then here's the weird stuff right and then everything else it's kind of like okay well you know that i'm going to i could copy and paste you know wide medium close a bunch of times, right, if you right, right, right. Yeah,
0: I feel like it's just a good for me. I'm just like I'm just gonna do it. As a good exercise, and yeah. it's like it just helps other people have confidence that I have a plan. Sure, <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like, so you do have a plan, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, yes? and people do look at because I a lot of times make my shot list like the night before the shoot, especially and if it's like a ten day shoot. It took a while. Yeah. No, no, but I'll be on set and I'll be we'll be halfway through the day, and the DP will be like, so are we gonna still do this close up shot or something? And I listen. And I'm we haven't even talked about the shot list at all. And I'm like, oh, you looked at my shot list, and you're like, yeah. like people are using it, you know, especially yeah. the AD and the DP. At yeah, the very no, no, least. They, they are. And I, to be fair, I do. Who shot do you email more. your shot list
1: to? It's a, always a Google document, and it's always AD, DP, uh,
2: producer, line producer. That's probably it. Oh, I do those people plus the production designer, wardrobe person, oh, makeup, makeup artist. Art, yeah. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Because they, I want them. To know, because I'll I'll in my shot list I'll do like you know wide medium close and I will I am have been guilty of like copying and pasting it to every scene, but then I'll write like you know we see this person against this background or something like mm-hmm. they pick up this prop mm-hmm. yeah I I think
1: that that speaks to the idea of like oh the specialty things like right. hey you know so you know these are the colors that are going to be present in this frame or th- this is the moment where they're going to be they need to look their best or things like that there communicating with your crew is always going to be important. I guess um I'm just saying that maybe I tend to not think that a shot list is the most efficient way to do that all all the time. You know right. what I mean? That's Well, all. I
0: think it just depends also on if you know everybody working with you is experienced and has mm-hmm. done this a mm-hmm. bunch of times, so I think it makes people that might not have as much appearance, just feel more comfortable even just to hold something to have to talk to somebody else about sure. so you're both on the same page so it, like pointing to this and this specialty shot yeah, you know what I mean totally.
2: yeah. yeah I like to I mean part of what the shot list shows me to we've talked about this before is like oh shoot this scene doesn't have any interesting shots like I'm not telling mm-hmm. any stories sure. with the camera right I'm just covering it so I try to find at least one interesting shot per scene you know yeah and, and if I realize if I know that it's like just to have a nice shot. I'll put it at the end and I'll put like time permitting. Right. Yeah, a well, bonus extra credit.
1: You know,
0: well, yeah. It helps too with like, I found with in, knowing, oh, inserts. Oh, we need this insert or establishing because sometimes you just, if you're running crazy, you forget inserts and establishing sure. stuff. You're yeah. just, you know, I made that mistake. Uh, yeah. with oh, I right. was just a showrunner in the first project I did. I was like, nobody, and I didn't know to look for this, but I'm sitting in the edit bay and I'm like, nobody enters or exits a scene. Nobody ever leaves and we never have any establishing shots. Yeah, We just right. started on the people all the time.
2: That's like probably one of the, my most common notes on a script is, hey, maybe we'll see them pull up to the building between these mm-hmm. two scenes. Mm-hmm. You Because know, a lot of writers, especially like TV writers, they'll be like, they're talking in the kitchen. They're talking at work. They're talking. Right. Yeah.
0: You don't see any. And I was, you know, so guilty of that in writing some of the scripts. It's directing and has really made me think about how I write.
2: Yeah, because it's writers think it's all about the dialogue, you know, and it's yeah. Just not. put
1: the first joke as they're walking into school together,
0: <laughs> right? Well, and I've learned you can save anything with the right transition shot, the right, sure. the right insert. It's yeah. like, oh, you didn't get any line where the actor did the right thing. We're gonna in, look at, we're gonna cut to the spoon. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> like
2: a little trick we've talked about true. before: yeah. transition
1: is spoon <laughs> shot
2: done yeah. if you're running really behind just like have your camera operator at the end of someone's close-up just like hey mike can you tilt down to you know mm-hmm. megan's hand or whatever megan can you do that thing and just just try to pick those things up even if you're like the 80s like we gotta go to lunch like 10 right. minutes ago yeah. you're like fine sound stop like just yeah, yeah it's so easy to forget those like well, you said
0: the trick i learned is you once you just this is maybe not good but once <laughs> you roll if you're like tied out for lunch you just don't cut okay. you yeah. just yeah. keep it's yeah, yeah. probably not a trick, but I thought it was quite the trick. There's
1: also every once in a while an ad will be like, "Don't
0: cut."
3: Yeah,
1: for that reason, I think once you, I think there is like a technical rule of like once you're rolling.
0: Yeah, once you're rolling, you don't. Well, no, there's one more. There's the a thing. bigger grace. It's like there's a. Yeah. It's, you get to go past the grace period. Right. Exactly. But if once you cut, you cannot That's roll it. again. Yeah. You're done. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. And for those yeah. of you, I'm sure most of our listeners know, but. At least in California, the law is that after six hours after you, people get to set, you have to feed them. And if you go over that six hours, you have to pay a penalty. It's like a state law. It's not like a film thing specifically. Um, And so I think we're allowed to go 15 minutes into past that six hours. And we call that period. Those 15 minutes grace. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this idea that you ask the crew if they're okay with going into grace, but the crew always says, yes, but they're "What, like what are they going say not happy about it, so it's like it's a weird thing, yeah, it always
1: sucks. I try to just um not call grace basically like i'm, I'm i've am i gotten over the idea of like oh i'm so close to finishing the scene just call cut go to lunch and then just pick yeah. up that shot
0: mm, yeah you the know? only time you do is like when you're like just moving to a different location you're so close like yeah. you're you're have a company move after lunch right right exactly like the only time when you're you were like you I'm, that's when it's worth it yeah. i am really
2: like finishing a scene before <laughs> lunch because i'll eat lunch real quick and then i'll go with the dp and the ad during lunch which I know is like maybe not fair. Your
0: D P and eighties must hate you. Yeah.
2: Well I yeah, because we're he's abusing behind.
3: them. Yeah. No, <laughs> but
2: I'll be like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking for this next thing. But if we don't there's nothing for us to talk about to do take seven on the last thing, you know? Sure. You can you can still get ahead of yourself though. You can still walk over and be like, Hey,
1: after we finish take eight, we're yeah. gonna go do this. Or you rip out the drone. That's what you do now. Or, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. My line producer had a drone that we just Saved us on a couple of things. A couple yeah. establishing. The drone yeah. was awesome.
1: There you go. I I want to do because I have the same problem with establishing shots. I did a show where it was about cartoonists, shitty boyfriends, and we didn't do any establishing shots, and then we just had to get an animator to like draw mm-hmm. basically all of our establishing. Or you shots. find
0: weird stock footage of like a house in California, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and hope yeah. that it's like the same, like, with the high right. quality Good resolution. Luck. Yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. Just Like a, yeah. A, well, establishing thing. shots
2: they're surprisingly hard to do well. I mean, that's why... The diner in Seinfeld, you know, is like a very specific building that has nothing to do with where they shot the diner. You know, right? Or I've it's heard... like
0: you want to have a movement. It's like right. you can't just set up a. Ca- you can, but I mean, it's nicer if you have yeah. some movement but or cars a tilt in or, front of or this house. A, yeah,
1: yeah. A- and like ideally, your characters are maybe interfacing with it in some way, like they're walking in or they're leaving, or like at least there's common extras or th- something. Right. You know? That's what
0: we did with the school. It was great because we did a mm-hmm. lot of establishing with just random students. Yeah. We yeah. just had people do crosses and there's a and bell ringing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: When well, I ship it, the show, you know, we've had the directors in and the producers on. They called me and they're like, hey, can we get a, just shoot a shot of your house? We want to use it as an establishing shot. We just need someone to give us permission. And I was like, yeah, sure. And then they ended up not using it because they didn't like the kind of car we had parked in the parking lot. They're like, they like, didn't really feel right for the character. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, in the driveway. So Your car is very nice. I mean, it uh, it's pretty dirty. <laughs> it's
0: a nice it's a ni- nice house though.
2: Yeah, it is. Oh, thanks. What what's nice about shooting outside of LA is you get these like really amazing looking houses that look like any town in America, which LA doesn't have that many houses that look like that.
1: Yeah, there's, like, a few select spots, and once you
2: see them, once you know them, you yeah. see them on TV shows constantly. Like West Adams, and, like, a, there's, like south of Larchmont, there's yeah. this whole neighborhood, it's a, we a shot beautiful house, of well. yeah, yeah, like Hancock Park, where it's like, whoa, this looks like a house, like, yeah. if I think of a picture of a house. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, um, we found a great house, we were, like, had to, under pressure, switching location. And it was hard to find what we found a house. I was like, yes, but it was late at night and we weren't really paying super close attention. And we went to shoot there two nights later and realized it was across the street from a public playground. And we were shooting outside, like on the front porch. Oh, no. So it was like the perfect house. We'd <laughs> walk out and then it's summer. So kids are out till 9 p.m. on the playground. She <laughs> had to hire an ice cream truck to come Ooh, and like around move, the corner yeah. and get everybody away. Yeah.
2: yeah. So you lured kids
1: with an ice cream truck? <laughs> so it, well, their parents were there. It wasn't yeah, like sure. just kids
0: by themselves.
1: And just like, that's actually a really good move, I feel like. Because you hear about stories of like, oh, you always, a producer will have like some money to bribe like a leaf a blower or something mm-hmm. like that. But um, children have always been tricky. Ice cream. So the go.
0: cheapest snow cone trucks you can get oh, for yeah. like 200 bucks. Wow. Unlimited snow cones. Oh, man. It helps a lot.
1: I'm jealous yeah. of those kids now.
0: Or even crew members that are like tired right. or, you know, it's been a long, hot day. and
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, 200 bucks for uh, like a, a fancy treat,
2: you know, a custom treat. That's yeah. pretty great. We should wrap up pretty soon. But I think uh, we have one listener question and I feel like Kelly might have some insight. We got an email from listener Jonathan Vatt. He says, hey, guys, love the show. It's up my game and my approach to filmmaking like 500%. Uh, Question. I'm a DP slash director, and I've done most of my work in the wedding industry. I have a handful of decent corporate projects completed, and I'm trying to build my personal brand with a focus on commercial production. I freelance with a local company, but I would like to start separating myself as a director under my own brand. The real question is, how do I build a brand around myself? Naming my brand after myself, like Jonathan Productions, feels small time. I noticed that Oren uses Directed by Oren as his website slash portfolio. Does that work for everyone in your opinion? What were the steps you took to build your own brands as directors? Jonathan. Wow. And I think, Kelly, you're interesting because you kind of had a brand before you were director. And then I also think there's really two very different type of directors. There's the company slash director directors. that Come work with my hire my company. Uh and I will direct your thing. And then there's like director for hire, which is a little bit more gun for hire. We're doing
0: well. When he was first talking about branding, I would say it's not about the name of your company or like directed by Orin, it's about like the hyphen it you use. Like if you're a director, DP, Mm -hmm. and then do one more weird, very specific thing, like I did this and this got me. A lot of <laughs> <laughs> interviews. I did. Because I do a lot of digital series and I did showrunning and directing. And then you where you create different, you know, worlds and platforms and mm-hmm. have the story go off in different directions.
1: Transmedia.
0: Yeah. Right, so sure. I said, and you can all laugh and make fun of me. This well, I said um uh showrunner, director, digital universe architect. Oh. And okay. people Inception. go, Ooh, yeah, sure. tell us about sure, that. Sure. And then they're like, "But this girl could really build out the show and other, and she's aware, and so like mm-hmm. you've got to get real specific,
1: yeah, that's interesting. I thought you were going to say world building, yeah, yeah but exactly. same, same thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, but architect architect like i'm a am no,
0: like a that. I'm a director, showrunner, architect.
2: Wait, Matt, on your website, I swear, oh yes, it does say writer, director, third thing, right yeah. Oh, that's there you go, Matt seeing said. that
0: because does comedy, so that yeah, makes yeah. sense, so we're right in sure, the there same, we go, yeah. Clearly it's good advice. Yeah. But I can't yes. actually one someone in my company coined the for, the phrase like architect. Who, and I just um, kinda took it.
1: Who at your company?
0: Maud Standish. Oh. She's really brilliant.
1: because I feel like I've heard some people will bandy around with the word architect. Yeah, she yeah. was
0: gonna have story architect. She's a really yeah. like a she started out as a social strategist and now she's VP uh, and she's gotcha. she's just really smart. And so I kinda like, like borrowed that for my want, resume. Yeah.
2: Well I think so, I but I think back to like even backing up a little bit, you have to decide whether you're going to be like a production company or a director. And I think mm-hmm. all three of us at this point are selling ourselves as directors. You're selling yourself as Kelly Landry and as Matt Enlone. I'm yeah. Oren. Uh, I don't need a last name because there's only seven of us in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I used to have a company, Oren Film or whatever, you know, where it's like you can hire me to do like the soup to nuts thing. But I think that's like the first decision Jonathan needs to decide, right? Does he mm-hmm. want to be a director for hire trying to get book directing gigs? Or does he want to be a production company?
0: Because he does weddings. He does like video, videography and like DP and directing for wedding videos. And well, now he wants to move into corporate?
2: Yeah, I think he wants to do more commercials. He's, oh. he's it's, you know, the wedding videographers tend to kind of be like one man bands yeah, a little right. bit or two person bands, right? They'll have a couple of shooters. Uh, they'll probably record sound really, themselves. It's
1: one person and then an assistant, pretty typically right. with video. Right, right. and then they'll edit you. the video as well. Yeah. And, well,
0: what, I would ask what type of commercial because if you're going big budget commercial, they don't need a one man band. They want sure. a director, exactly. But if you're gonna exactly. do smaller local stuff, then maybe they do need us. So I right. would kind of figure out what your market is.
2: Right. Um. But he also says that right now he's working as a director, uh, like for this local company, one of his friends' companies. So, like, what I would say is maybe don't worry about starting your own company, but just find, like, more local companies that will hire you as a director if the goal is directing. If there's some, if you enjoy the writing, producing, editing, running the whole show, uh, then you're a producer that kind of directs their own things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Then don't go with the directed by Jonathan or uh, do I look?
1: I direct that. (laughs) I I, I think also in terms of like just the word brand in general, like I think that there's a difference between um, literally like logos and trademarks and websites and all that stuff that a, a company needs a little bit more. Right. But, but just you as a director, a person, like what do you make? What are the things you like to make there? there's the question of like how you're presenting yourself, right? right? Like that's when well, oftentimes when we say brand, we kind of use them interchangeably. So it's not like directed by Orin. It's like, there's a logo at the end of every one of your spots, but you do pick Orin what spots you put on the front page of your website. You or know? you're real. Or you're real. Don't yeah.
0: include material on a reel just because you think it looks cool. If it's not in line with what you want to be doing next. Exactly.
2: Exactly. So right. if you unless you're... it's VFX then included. Yeah. We've had a giant ongoing debate about this. Because
0: then it means people give you money. like.
2: Well, or never mind.
0: Or <laughs> you know how to shoot VMX. You know, yeah.
2: yeah. Wait, are you Kelly Landry live.com?
0: Uh, yeah. There's actually no directing on there right now.
2: Oh, interesting.
0: But I do have a directing reel. Um, I actually, you know, I just got the blurb and the reel. I applied to the NBC female forward directing program. Oh, I've cool. been trying to get into some of these yeah, yeah. programs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just have a, you know, small stuff in my head. Where is your reel? It's on Vimeo. It's a private link. Because oh, okay. also I, um, because I co-directed with Ben, there's mm-hmm. some of that stuff on there, but I don't ever want to pass that off as, like, just by you myself. Don't, yeah, Can yeah. I just
2: tell you, I, I, that's something I used to be really worried about, and I don't think you need to worry about it. Like, yeah. I would not, because I did stuff with Blake, I've co-directed with Ken, I've worked with other people a lot, and I... Would never care if they said, hey, I directed this thing. Right. You know, like. No,
0: I'm not worried that he would care. But also, like, my directing I don't make. I'm for sure going to redo my reel as soon as I get this comedy under Mm -hmm. there. But I'm not looking to go in and try to direct teen drama. Mm Just not what I want. So I'm going to use it to get into programs that I want to do. But I don't want to put it out into the world as like, this is what I direct. Right. 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 Okay,
2: That makes sense.
1: Let me ask when you were looking at directors, did you look at their reels or did you just look at yeah. samples or I looked what? at
0: their reels oh and this was a good piece of advice never I would never like tell a director to say like bad things about what they've done or like downplay or anything that they've done but like if there is something that you included on your reel for a specific reason mm-hmm. I would say that because a lot of times there was a few things I was like do they think this is like looks really great? And they'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, this is an example of like I really got a great whatever this. Right. Explain that. This
1: person's an influencer. And yeah. like I really am I, proud of this moment.
0: I wanted something. to include them. Yeah. I wanted to do this was an example of how I got it, yeah, an influencer to be a great actor moment. Um, because the other thing is a lot of people don't have great imaginations in the production and the executive side. And so it'd be really hard, even if I knew someone was doing great stuff now, if they had stuff on their reel that wasn't like the project we were trying to do or wasn't impressive, You once someone sees that, you can't make them unsee Mm -hmm. it. They'll be like, I don't know, but that thing they did wasn't that great and they must have thought it was great because it's on the reel. So so just don't put put it on the reel. If you only have one thing that's awesome, just do that one thing and don't do the other thing that's like kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that goes for actors too. Like I've seen acting reels where it's like four great scenes and one kind of mediocre scene. And I'm like, no, we can't hire this person because look at this one scene,
0: (laughs) you know? It's way better even if I used to get, when I was just acting, if I didn't have a great reel, that's why I got into stand-up because people be like, no, no, she's a stand-up comedian. (laughs) And I didn't even need a reel. So it's like you don't, a reel is important, but it's not as important as you, if you're like really good at selling yourself and you have one really good thing, it can probably work.
2: Because people are looking for reasons to not hire you.
0: Right, they're looking, but yeah. And it's easier. Yeah, it's much easier. You, you always have to be sold up. Whoever you're meeting with is going to have to sell you up to someone. Right. And that person wasn't in the room to meet you, so they didn't hear all the cool things. Mm-hmm. And they're probably not really listening when the people that are pitching you are saying all the things, so they really just have the real.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just want to go back to one thing you said, which, uh, which I think is goes back to, like, finish answering Jonathan's question, is that your real is a private link on Vimeo because... Right now, you're not pitching yourself to the public, and you don't care about your brand. There's no Kelly Landry logo or Matt Enlow mm-hmm. logo right. or you know T-shirt store, right? Sure. Right. Because we don't care about our brands as much as our body of work and how we're going to get the next job. Because our goals, our goal isn't to be famous directors, really. It's directors that get another job.
0: Right. Right. I'm. I want. I'm going to be a famous director, just so you know, sure. you, you guys go. know. Great. Right, saying right. it now,
1: I I am down. I can't wait. But like the like I, I guess, or your point is like you know you could be Joss Whedon, right? Where like he's got millions of Twitter followers and all that stuff, and he's a wit, and you know he, he could do TV appearances or whatever. Or you could be, you know, um,
2: but Joss you know, Whedon doesn't have like a logo or a brand or I mean, sure, I'm but you sure sure not have like a, a, a website and stuff like that.
1: I'm saying you can be like a household name, or you can be, you could be a person who my parents don't know right right that's still making huge movies that everybody loves i'm okay either way
0: or that's making really cool stuff that your parents won't watch which is probably where we all want to be
1: sure sure yeah (laughs)
0: like you know what i mean like i don't know
1: perhaps are fated to always be (laughs) right yeah 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 but i mean but also
0: it's like if you are yeah and right now where my reel's at i don't think that anyone in the public That was just looking for a general director would be like, oh, this girl, this is the one out of all the other reels. So I have to I'm pitching myself for specific projects that I have information about and I'll tailor to that project. Right. But until I and until I have enough work to be like, this is me as a comedy director, Mm -hmm. then I'll I won't make the reel public. Right.
3: Right. I
2: think in conclusion, a director doesn't really need a brand. They need it's nice to have a voice in a the genre they work in and and that's sh- visible in their body of work but a production company could use a brand and it, and i think jonathan you just have to decide which one of those two things you want to be i w-
1: sorry just to be clear though there is a way in which a director presents themselves
0: right with like right? a website is good Right. right. To have a i think a directors when we were looking up directors if they didn't have a website or an imdb page it was it's the right. website didn't have to have a public, we didn't have to have a bunch of stuff, but we had to know that, like, they had a place to send people. Right, but yeah.
2: if but would you prefer that website be the director's name or be, like, you you know, know, no, but we're semi- Michelangelo's uh, production company? Right, but right. What, what I'm saying, though,
1: is that your personal brand, the way that you present yourself and the things that you decide to show the world is different than um, a production company's brand however they do still both tell a story about what you do and who you are basically is what i'm saying right but, so
2: but i mean i guess this question comes out of like what should i name myself
1: right no mm-hmm. don't
0: you don't need to name yourself yeah. jonathan yeah right thanks for
1: uh thanks for writing us if you want a sticker buddy reply to that email and we'll send you a sticker for all this reply to what or, you want? we'll I'll, I'll email you if you want a sticker We'll we'll mail you one, is what I'm saying. Okay. Oh
2: yeah. If yeah. you ask us a question, we'll send you a sticker. Yeah. A just shoot it sticker, which is the thing. Like if you're wearing that on your shirt when you walk into a director interview, that's like a sign yeah, who, it's That's so a must dorky, hire. It's that's cool. a must hire, yeah, definitely. You
0: can what put it on this? your phone case. Really?
2: I just bought a bunch of stickers. We've been recording with uh, Kelly for way too long. So let's move into <laughs> our
1: unpaid endorsements.
2: Well, I have three, shall I start? Or and take it away okay three quick unpaid endorsements number one did you know that you could say hey Siri call Matt and Lo on speakerphone oh no and it works
0: no I didn't know that I mean
2: does anyone not use speakerphone nowadays yeah I feel that's like people all I are just want. walking around holding their phone in front of their face yeah no one like holds it up to their ear because it's Gets sweaty.
0: But you can always tell once in a while when someone's like just being lazy with it. And you're like, I can't. Can you please yeah, hold just like it closer? closer. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's like people have forgotten how to hold phones in the last five <laughs> well, years. to
1: be fair, they're not really designed to be actual phones anymore. Like
2: there there was a reason they kind of like they're cloaked around. Down. Yeah. It's like yeah.
1: flat and gross and slippery
2: yeah. anyway. They need to make it more banana shaped. Mm-hmm. Second endorsement is I just did this treatment uh, where I wanted to pretend like part, part of my pitch in the treatment was that I was a fan of this brand my entire life. And I wanted to show them a picture of my Twitter page and my Facebook page to prove to them that like my, that, that I was a huge fan of there. So like on my Twitter page, I put a tweet from 11 years ago that said like, Hey, I'd really love to work with this company. And then on my Facebook page, I put uh, voted most likely to get married at one of the branches of this company. Um, And so instead of actually changing my Facebook and my Twitter pages, To say that so that I would have that image And instead of like having to Photoshop it And match the fonts What I did is in Google Chrome You can like right click on any text Or any graphic or anything on any website And hit like inspect element And it'll show you the text And you can edit it So you can make like a fake Twitter page Or fake Facebook page uh, That says exactly what you want to do So I could go to Kelly's page And say like she's dating so and so Or whatever just by right clicking And inspecting the elements And then Um, what I like doing is like doing that and then taking a photograph of my monitor like from a cool angle so there's like shallow depth of field and stuff uh, to prove that it's real. So that's my second trick which I'm really excited about. That's Uh, crazy. My third endorsement which is um, the guys from Making Movies is Hard invited Matt and me to this uh, indie filmmaker community on Facebook and I was really resistant at first because I'm like a member of way too many things that i'm not very active in but i don't know it's been kind of fun so check out indie filmmaker community filmmaker is one word i guess i guess yeah we yeah. all knew that yeah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um it's on facebook and uh i we have our all, a lot of our own social channels but since matt and i uh
1: yeah are the more I, the merrier have not
2: really been on top of everything and this is a place where i don't have to do any work but i just like comment on things sometimes kind of kind of fun. It's fun to go places where you don't have to do any work.
0: I don't know if you guys know, but right now Mercury's in retrograde, mm-hmm. and you're not Duh. supposed to buy any big equipment. Nothing with mechanical parts. No electrical equipment. Do not make any big purchases right now. Oh. Cameras for how cars? Long? We can check, but I think it's it's for like a good two and a half weeks at least. Oh, okay. Uh, Susan Miller is the best, Susan Miller Astrology, astrologyzone.com will tell you when Mercury's in retrograde and when you should not be buying anything for your camera Mm. or for a shoot. You also shouldn't sign contracts. You can sign a contract that was like started before, but any new contract in Mercury in retrograde, do not sign. That sounds
2: like a weird version of like Orthodox Judaism. (laughs) It's like the Shabbat. Like I don't roll on this. Yeah. The good news is all my contracts are taking about 45 years.
1: So
0: okay, well, right. you're fine. <laughs> you're also... Mercury in retrograde to time when you're supposed to go like revisit old projects. So if you guys have a project that you've been like kind of letting go mm-hmm. or thinking about for a while, now is a great time to revisit that project.
2: That's cool. great, too. May I ask a noob question? Uh-huh. What happens if I do buy a big piece of equipment?
0: Um. Usually you have mechanical errors, problems with it forever. I actually didn't realize it at the time, but I bought a car, Mercury and Retrograde, a Volvo, uh, oh. who's supposed to last forever. Yeah. Uh, and I bought it used. Uh, the transmission died at 80,000 miles, which is unheard of for a Volvo. And there's also problems in communication. It's just mm. a bad time to really do anything. You should just stay home and listen to all, all the old podcasts that Warren and I can you Warren. I have work with an, a Warren, that's why. You should just stay in, in and listen to all of Orn and Matt's podcast.
1: There you go. Yeah, just uh, binge listen to all of Just Shoot It, and you're good to go. Um, well, great. Uh, Will I can't wait for uh, mer- Mercury to no longer be in retrograde. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find What is it that when it's What's it called? What when it's no longer? Is it just grading? I don't know what <laughs> retrograde means actually.
0: I think it's moving backwards. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like, like a yeah.
1: color
2: correction plugin. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Right. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, magic bullet retrograde.
0: Look, Time Magazine just did a thing on Mercury's entering retrograde again. This is why so many people care.
2: Oh, is it not? It doesn't happen like every month?
0: It's not quite every month. (laughs) Retrograde motion is when a planet appears when observed from Earth to reverse direction. This happens due to an optical illusion, but because Mercury is the planet said to rule communication, those who are astrologically inclined... Expect frequent misunderstandings, scheduling problems, and disagreements.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: No mm-hmm. wonder it's been <laughs> <I've> been <laughs> fighting with everyone. Yeah. Um, cool. Oh,
1: okay. Great.
0: Also, can I do one more? Yeah, of course. Talking Rain. It's the uh, Cheap Man's LaCroix.
1: Oh, I don't think I know this. Yeah. It's really good. Is, is it like store brand? Or um, no, Talking Rain. Talking Rain. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a drink.
0: It's like a seltzer water. It's like a r- cheaper version of... Lacroix.
1: Is it cheaper than Albertson's brand Refresh?
0: Maybe probably not.
1: Because that is my shit, but okay. I drink about a half a case of it a day. There you go. Barely an exaggeration. Well, my uh my endorsement is I've talked a lot about like playlists and writing to different play- playlists on this show before, but um I don't know that I've said like creating a custom playlist for whatever project you're writing on is really nice because it kind of like helps you get back into the emotional state of whatever you were working on. It kind of just helps you dig those grooves a little bit. And especially Mm -hmm. when you're early on and you kind of need to figure things out, it helps you kind of um, be like both procrastinating in a fun way and also kind of like um, maybe tinkering in a subconscious way. But then... Uh, after you're done with that project revisiting the playlist like months or years later is a real delight and it takes you back to that moment just like when you were first writing it and so uh, I stumbled upon that earlier today with an old project that I really love that maybe I should revisit uh, since uh, Mercury is in retrograde there you go look at that it's
0: like a little audio diary
1: yeah exactly full circle that's cool
2: yeah, yeah. I prefer using scents. So, like, I'll be like this. This project is yeah, like yeah. a Pantene Pro V, and I'll just like yeah, yeah. smell it while I'm writing. Yeah. I just Oran's picture orange scratch and sniff
0: book <laughs> of like January fifth, two thousand sixteen, <laughs> and it's just like a blob yeah. of some yeah. weird. I think there's this Windex. totally
2: fake theory that like smells are like tap into your memory. sense oh, no, stronger true, than anything I else. I think
1: that's true. It's just that it's rare to be like. To have such a specific smell, you know, like I think we just kind of smell the same stuff
2: over and over. Right. Again. I think if right. you've like dated someone for a very long time and they use a certain hair product yeah. or yeah. something and then you smell it again, maybe. It you know what you,
0: what you could things. do? You could choose a candle that represents mm, you your go. project. Hey, right.
2: I love that idea. Oh, are you project. still working on that aloe script? Yeah. yeah,
0: no, I move on to fur and yeah. balsa. Also <laughs> yeah. wood. Yeah,
2: there you go. Well, if we want to find out more about your work, Kelly. Where mm-hmm. should we
0: go? Um, you can go to my Instagram, Kelly. It's at Kelly Landry Live. Uh, my Twitter's ke- at Kelly Landry, YouTube. No. It's
2: K-E-L-L-Y-L-A-N-D-R-Y. Yeah. Cool. You can find out more about the podcast at our website, com. You can email us questions, comments, thoughts to JustShootItPod at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter as... At Smitey Piling. And I'm at Mr. Mademo. Uh, the music
1: was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe. Our webmaster is Ewan Williams. And I think that's all she wrote. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hey.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,